Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 457. Been kind of a weird week. I want to first tell you something. I don't know how to properly explain what I'm witnessing and what I'm hearing. I am pretty confident. I am 99.9% confident you cannot hear what's happening in the background outside my apartment. But there's an Asian market around the corner, and there's a guy, like, banging a drum, bang, 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 then cymbals, and I'm, I'm very confused. It seems like they're allowing him to play drums in their establishment. I don't know. Is it, like, Chinese New Year? I missed that, the, the memo on it. Is there some holiday? I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know why there's a guy, like, literally, I sat down to hit record, and immediately... A guy started banging on a drum, and I was like, ah, what? Well, why is that allowed? I don't know. It's kind of throwing me off. I'm doing the best I can to hang with it. Um, I'm pretty sure you can't hear, so I'm just going to keep going anyway. It's just kind of funny. I'm like, well, why is that happening? And what's the reason? Is there even a reason? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's been kind of a weird week. Uh, you know, February 8th was the anniversary of my brother's death. Uh, it's been six years, and... Dang, man, that, it really threw me off. I, I fight it really hard every year. Every year, I'm like, ah, it's not going to affect me. I'm going to do something fun. And I, it threw me off for about a whole day. Uh, I've also been working on a lot of stuff this week, like predictions versus reality for next week. I've got a really cool episode planned with a guy I love who does worst take, uh, Quincy. And I am just kind of – it's been weird because the Super Bowl sucks all the oxygen out of the room, and I don't want to put out content that is like – overshadowed by the Super Bowl. So I've been making stuff, preparing. I think next week's going to pop off, be really crazy. Uh, but I've been kind of trying to get out of the way of the Super Bowl and the mammoth that it is. So this episode is pretty much entirely dedicated to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the NFL honors. Uh, ben Simmons finally got traded, and that'll be fun to talk about. But let's jump in. I want to start with this. I want to talk about how the Rams got to the Super Bowl. Some of the moves they made, some of the characters that are involved in that journey to get there. I cannot get everything. Feel free to write in with your favorite stories or favorite moments from the Rams journey to the Super Bowl. Um, but I kind of want to just use this moment to celebrate the team, celebrate the Rams and the journey they've been on. Win or lose, I think they've had an incredible year and it's worth celebrating what they've done. Remember that the Rams went to the Super Bowl in 2018. They lost 13-3 to to the New England Patriots and their quarterback, Jared Goff, was not great in that game. And that's kind of where their Super Bowl journey begins, in my opinion. It was the Rams evaluating, is Jared Goff good enough to be our long-term quarterback here in L.A.? In 2019, they went 9-7. and seven. They did not make the playoffs at all. And last year in 2020, they did make the playoffs, but they actually benched their starting quarterback, Jared Goff, for their backup, unofficially benched him, for Jordan Wolford. If you asked the PR team, they would say Jared Goff was hurt. Uh, however, when Jordan Wolford got hurt and got knocked out of the playoff game, in came Jared Goff. Well, if Jared Goff was too hurt to play, then he shouldn't have played, but he did play. They benched him. They'll never tell you that. They had to save face so they could trade him away. But how, how rarely can you imagine a scenario where your starting quarterback is banged up a little bit but doesn't play in a playoff game? They benched him. There was a clear divide there. They thought they had a better chance to win with Jordan Wolford at quarterback, which is crazy, but that's, that's a real thing that happened. And so in my opinion, the Rams' Super Bowl run really began 
January 30th, 2021, last year, when they traded for quarterback Matthew Stafford. The Rams gave up Jared Goff, their quarterback, two first-round picks for 2022 and 2023, and a third-round pick to get Matthew Stafford, their new starting quarterback. And uh, Stafford is a guy... That's why the Super Bowl is so cool, because whether Joe Burrow wins and the Bengals win or the Rams and Matthew Stafford win, it's a cool story either way. Um, You know, Matthew Stafford spent 12 years in Detroit with the Lions, had zero playoff wins in that time. He played brilliantly, you know, really, really fantastic football at times, but the team just could not win around him. And one year in L.A. now, he's got three playoff wins. He's now in a Super Bowl. And he had one of the best years of his career, like an all-time top three year, uh, statistically production-wise, of his entire career. And it's awesome, man. Again, I, I really think Matthew Stafford is a key character on this football team. He's really elevated this football team. He's done some stuff that Jared Goff cannot. Um, I've been critical of the guy at times, but I don't want my criticism of him to be mistaken for a lack of respect or understanding that without Matthew Stafford, the Rams would not be here at all in this moment. Now, there's kind of a weird story from this year. Uh, believe it or not, Deshaun Jackson, a speedy wide receiver, decided, I don't want to be on the Rams anymore. He felt like he wasn't getting the ball enough, not enough production, and uh, he wanted out of L.A. He felt uh, unused. He actually went to the Raiders after they uh, lost Henry Ruggs. But what that did was open the door for the Rams to realize, hey, we need another receiving threat. And then Odo Beckham Jr. wanted out of Cleveland. They got, he got released. And when they got the opportunity, the Rams signed Odell Beckham Jr. to be their new receiving weapon, which, in my opinion, is an upgrade from Deshaun Jackson. Kind of a crazy, weird turn of events that really ended up helping out the L.A. Rams. Now, unfortunately, on the same day they signed Odell, about an hour later, literally, their top receiver, Robert Woods, you know, their number two receiver next to Cooper Cup, Robert Woods tore his ACL. And so it was kind of a, oh my gosh, thank goodness we did trade for Odell because if we hadn't made that move, or thank God we signed Odell because if we hadn't made that move, we would have been with Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson and that's it. No other top receiver to work with our football team. And it took a little bit for OBJ to make an impact. It took, there was a little bit of an adjustment period. The Rams kind of struggled at the middle of the year around the time they lost Robert Woods. They added OBJ. There was a lot of change going on. You know, and I think that did hurt them, but eventually, once they settled in and got in a rhythm, Odell made a massive impact. And during their playoff run, he's made some really big plays and had some big games. Now, before the year even started, during training camp, the Rams running back Cam Akers tore his ACL. Tragic, sad, not cool. And that prompted L.A. to trade for Patriots running back Sony Michel. They traded a fourth and a sixth round pick to get Sony Michelle because they're like, look, we need a running back. We need somebody who can make an impact on our team. He actually led the Rams in, carry, in carries and yards, over 200 carries and 845 yards rushing. He shared the load with Daryl Henderson. And then miraculously during the playoff run, Cam Akers came back, which I really respect his work ethic and the rehab it took for him to get back in time to be a part of the playoff run is pretty incredible. Cam Akers is amazing and Again, I go back to, like, every time the Rams had something go wrong, they were like, how can we find an answer? We lost our receiver. Uh, you know, we need to fill a, a void. Let's get OBJ. Okay, we lost Cam Akers. We need to make a move. Let's go get Sony Michelle. Over and over and over, the Rams made a lot of moves this year, a lot of transactions for big starting players, and they worked over and over again. 
at the trade deadline, the Rams made a move for Broncos star linebacker slash edge rusher Von Miller. They gave up their second and third round pick in 2022 to get him. He's a huge star. To pair Von Miller with Aaron Donald on their defensive line, the impact that the interior rusher can have. For example, in the Super Bowl, if you, Isaiah Prince is a big problem for the Bengals. He's a right tackle. He's not very good. If you put Von Miller one-on-one with Isaiah Prince, you're going to win that matchup over and over again. Now let's say, okay, we got to clearly help Isaiah Prince. Let's put a double team on Von Miller. Well, you also got to put a double team on Aaron Donald. Then you got a one-on-one matchup. I, it just The numbers don't work. So Aaron Donald and Von Miller together creates a problem for every single offensive line you can run into, and he's made a huge impact. Now think about this. This is crazy. The Rams traded away all but three of their draft picks for the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. They, they will get a compensatory pick at some point. Um, but it's kind of a cool approach, in my opinion, actually. It reminds me a lot of, in the NBA, a guy like LeBron James who realized, I don't want to work with young players. He's like, rookies in the NBA, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to teach new guys how to play. I want veteran impact players. And at a, in a different sport, for sure, but at, and a kind of at a different scale, the Rams have said, look, who cares about draft picks? We don't need first-round picks, second-round picks, even apparently third-round picks. We want Von Miller. We want Odell. We want Sony Michelle, Matthew Stafford. We're going to make big moves, trade away our future to get players to win now. And you got to give a shout-out to the Rams' general manager, Les Need, for making move after move after move. And he and the Rams have been all in on the Super Bowl this year. I think they have a window. If they lose the Super Bowl this year, for example, I think the Rams still have a window open for next year as well. Although, can you imagine? Can you imagine if the Rams do not win the Super Bowl this year? How much that would hurt? All the moves they made, they're all in. And you lose to Cincinnati, the Bengals, who are just lucky to be here. That's a crazy thought. Now, I have to mention the Rams' left tackle, Andrew Whitworth. He's a guy, he's a cool story. He won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for his contributions in giving back to the community. Uh, he also is like a really cool stand-up guy. Apparently, there's a great story where he actually rehabbed with Jill Burrow last year in L.A. You know, Jill Burrow destroyed his knee. They were rehabbing together. They watched games together. They both went to LSU. They actually won titles at LSU years apart. Now, Andrew Whitworth is playing Jill Burrow in the Super Bowl. And even crazier, the only two teams Andrew Whitworth has played for during his NFL career. He spent nine years with the Cincinnati Bengals and then came to L.A. in 2017. And so now he's playing his old team in the Super Bowl, his buddy, Joe Burrow. And uh, I, man, I, again, this Super Bowl, you can't lose. I, if you're a Rams fan, obviously you want the Rams to win, but um, I, I think there's good people on both sides of the field in this one. And it's, it's a lot of people you can root for. And certainly Andrew Whitworth is one of those people that is so, so easy to love and easy to root for. Now, here's another cool story. Let me drink some water real quick first. In January... The Rams made a move and signed veteran safety Eric Weddle after two years of retirement. He left the game for two years. Was a stud. Was an incredible player. But what's incredible is after two years away from the game, he came back in shape, prepared, and played really good. He's ready to go. In fact, in the Super Bowl, he will be the Rams' defensive play caller, which to not have been on the team in December, to be now calling plays on defense in the Super Bowl is an incredible turn of events and... Another guy. I love Andrew Whitworth. I love Eric Weddle. There's so many people that are easy to root for for the Rams in the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford. For him to get a Super Bowl would be so meaningful to him 
because he's a guy that I think is on the edge of maybe a Hall of Fame career. And if Stafford wins a Super Bowl here, that pushes him over the top towards a potential Hall of Fame finish for his career. There's one more cool character that I love, love, love on the Rams, and that is their star receiver, Cooper Cup. I had to mention him. Um, I remember watching this guy live in college at Eastern Washington. He went to a small D1 AA school, and he dominated. He was incredible at Eastern Washington. And I remember going with my friends who were like, you think Cooper's going to go to the NFL? I think he's going to go to the NFL. He's way better than, like, literally everybody. And not only did he go to the NFL— uh, make a Pro Bowl. He actually led the, the NFL in receiving uh, and yards and catches this year. He won the NFL Offensive Player of the Year this year. Cooper Cup had 145 catches, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdown catches. Almost a single-season record for the most yards. He's second most behind Calvin Johnson, and he's got the second most catches in a single season behind Michael Thomas. That is incredible. Cooper Cup's had a great year. I love the guy. He's hard to... Hard to hate, easy to love, um, really seems like a great dude. And on top of that, you have to really admire and respect how quickly Cooper Cup developed chemistry with his new starting quarterback, Matthew Stafford. It's pretty unreal the way they got on the same page so quickly and shredded the NFL week after week after week, game after game. Now, the Rams went 12-5 and this year. They only lost to playoff teams, which I think kind of is a testament to how good of a football team they are. Their only losses this year came to Arizona, Tennessee, Green Bay, and they lost to the 49ers two times, which is just, again, this is a, from the beginning, the Rams have been a Super Bowl favorite and a team that everybody's been like, oh, this team, they put it together, they could make a run. They're really, really good. And they've been good all year. In the playoffs, they beat Arizona and Tampa. They beat Arizona and Tampa twice last year. And then in the NFC title game, LA beat the 49ers for the first time in three years to go to the Super Bowl. So that is how the Rams got here. They traded for Matthew Stafford. They made move after move after move. They had a great year. And uh, I just think there are so many people on this Rams team that are easy to root for, including their head coach, Sean McVay. I love their head coach. He would be, uh, I believe, the youngest head coach ever to win a Super Bowl if he wins on Sunday. And uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, no matter what prediction I make, in this Super Bowl. I just want people to know that I will be happy no matter who wins because I really, really have enjoyed the Rams this year. I respect what they've done. And they've got so many people. Eric Weddle, Andrew Whitworth, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, OBJ, like so Jalen Ramsey. I didn't even talk about him. Aaron Donald. Like so many people that are not only stars, but also are people that are entertaining and fun to root for. And uh if the Rams win, I will not be disappointed. And uh they've got a lot of people that I've really enjoyed rooting for and watching this year in the NFL. All right. I want to talk about how the Cincinnati Bengals got to the Super Bowl. Some of the moves they made, some of the characters involved. Uh, remember, I, I can't get everything, and so I'm asking you guys to write in with your favorite stories related to the Bengals, your favorite stories, your favorite moments from the Bengals' Super Bowl run. And I kind of just want to take this moment to celebrate the team and appreciate the Bengals, because win or lose, I think they've had an incredible year uh, worth acknowledging and celebrating. The Bengals' Super Bowl journey began during the 2020 NFL Draft when they drafted Joe Burrow number one overall. Now he's in his second title game in three years. In the 2019 season, he won the College Football National Championship. And here in the 2021 NFL season, he's now in a Super Bowl. One year in between, one bad year with an injury in between. 
two potential championships in three years, which is just incredible. Like, what? And it's undeniable that Joe Burrow has turned Cincinnati around, which is very, very cool. I didn't. I, I love Joe Burrow. I was not confident he could do that, and he has. He's got them not only I, – I remember when they drafted him, I was like, well, maybe he'll win a playoff game eventually. No, he won three in year two. Now he's in a Super Bowl. That's incredible. It's a really cool story. And I think now that Tom Brady has retired, my new favorite quarterback in the NFL is going to have to be Joe Burrow. I love the guy. I really admire him. I respect him, his work ethic, his swagger, the way he carries himself. You can learn a lot about how to be a person by watching Joe Burrow, his confidence, his work ethic, his drive, his leadership, his camaraderie with his teammates. There's a lot you can look at Joe Burrow and go, hmm, as a man, as a human as a coworker, as a boss, as an employee, whatever, you can learn a lot by watching how Joe Burrow carries himself and the way and, and the things he does as a quarterback. Um, I want to give credit to Cincinnati and the Bengals organization for two things. Number one, they stuck with their head coach, Zach Taylor, when, you know, in 2019, they went 2-14. and 14. Last year in 2020, it went 4-11-1. and one. That's two bad years in a row. And, you know, when you're seeing NFL teams – we saw David Culley get axed after one year, and I thought he overachieved. I mean, in the NFL, your job is never guaranteed. And the fact that Cincinnati stuck with Zach Taylor, even after two bad years, and has been rewarded with a Super Bowl appearance is very, very cool to me. And it makes me happy for Zach Taylor because I hate seeing people fired in the NFL. Even people that are bad, I go, I still have a twinge of sadness for them and their family. Um, remember, Zach Taylor was actually the Rams quarterback coach before becoming the Bengals head coach. He worked under under Rams head coach Sean McVay. Uh, and the second thing I want to give credit to the Bengals for is the shift in management. Mike Brown, their owner, has gotten older. And as he's gotten older, he's given more and more power to his daughter, Katie Blackburn. He's got a badass name. She married Troy Blackburn. Awesome for them. And tr- Katie Blackburn, alongside the director of player personnel, Duke Tobin, are the two people running the Bengals organization, and they've done a really impressive job. They've made some key moves. The biggest thing they did, other than draft Joe Burrow and then one other draft pick we'll talk about in a moment, they really built the Bengals' defensive line. They gave Sam Hubbard a big four-year, $40 million contract extension, investing in the defensive line. They signed Trey Hendrickson in free agency. They poached him from New Orleans, gave him a $60 million deal. Both of those guys got a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They signed DJ Reader, a defensive tackle, to a four-year, $53 million deal. He had a huge game against the Titans in the playoffs. So their defensive line, D-tackle, defensive ends, have been solidified in Cincinnati. They brought in Larry Ogunjobi, and when he got hurt, B.J. Hill stepped up. And B.J. Hill is a guy who has quietly been a really, really great move made by the Cincinnati Bengals. In training camp, they traded for B.J. Hill, for a third-round pick. And B.J. Hill came in from the Giants. And when Larry Ogunjobi got hurt, he really stepped up in the playoffs. And he's he had 10 tackles. D.J. Reader had 11 during this playoff run. And the interior defensive line with D.J. Reader and B.J. Hill has been fantastic. D.J. and B.J. have done a great job. Uh, and that's a quiet little move that I think a lot of people haven't given Cincinnati a lot of credit for, which is making that move to get a key player, B.J. Hill. And I always say, if I was a general manager, my first thing to do would be to invest in my offensive and defensive line. I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care who your receivers are. If you don't have a good offensive and defensive line, it's really, really hard to win in the NFL. And 
while Cincinnati still, in my opinion, needs to invest in their offensive line, I've got problems and concerns there. They did invest in their defensive line, and hey, shout out to them. This Bengals team really reminds me of the 2007 Giants team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They're a team that wasn't expected to be here. They've got a good defensive line. They got hot at the end of the year, kind of at the right time, and I think they can beat anybody, and I really am hopeful that this could be the year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the other big draft pick the Bengals made, in the 2021 NFL draft, they picked Jamar Chase, a receiver number five overall, and he has made a massive impact. As a rookie, he had 81 catches, 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns. And the one thing I, I, I knew that Jamar Chase is going to be a great player. I did not expect him to be a guy that would lead to more wins in Cincinnati. And he did that multiple times this year, like big games, big catches. And I thought had a, a massive impact on Cincinnati's season. And I just, I've loved watching him. I've been impressed by him. Uh, another guy they drafted in the, you know, he's a rookie this year as well. They picked kicker Evan McPherson in the fifth round out of Florida. He has been perfect during the postseason. 12 for 12 kicking field goals, long, big, important kicks, game-winning kicks, two game winners against Tennessee and then one against Kansas City. Evan McPherson has been perfect during the postseason, and drafting him was a genius move by the Cincinnati Bengals. But a lot of people at the time were like, you're drafting a kicker in the fifth round? Why are you doing that? No, 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 it's paid off. Hey, that's a, that's a movie you got to celebrate if you're Cincinnati. Now there are three cool characters I want to mention. Um, Tyler Boyd is a guy who was drafted by Cincinnati in 2016. That's a lot of years in a row of losing football. Bad year after bad year after bad year. This is the first ever winning season Tyler Boyd has ever had since he was drafted. So good for him sticking around. And it's cool to see a guy like Tyler Boyd finally getting... Uh, having success in the NFL, like, like, oh, yes, you're winning. You've worked so hard for this moment, and it's cool to see that. I also want to give a shout-out to tight end, and I always struggle with his name. I think it's like Umama, C.J. Uzama. C.J. Uzama, the Bengals tight end, really a, a very good player down the seam. He's a guy who many times this year when Joe Burrow needs a completion – it's either Jamar Chase or regularly C.J. Uzama, who beats the Blitz and is often there as an outlet over the middle. And I think it's been great for Joe Burrow. He's really elevating his game this year. And he was also drafted 2015 by the Bengals. He had one winning season, I believe, in 2015. After that, it's been a lot of bad years. And he said something really cool that I loved. He mentioned my favorite food in the world. My two favorite foods in the world are Loco Moco, which is actually rice, hamburger patty, egg, and gravy on top of each other. You get that out here in Hawaii. And then in Cincinnati, you have Skyline Chili, which is spaghetti, chili, and cheese. That's a three-way. If you get a four-way, you get onions on it. Um, I, I love a three-way. You know, I, <laughs> and that there's a great joke in there that I'm not going to say. I even have a shirt that says I love a three-way, which is actually a Cincinnati Skyline Chili shirt. Um, but <laughs> CJ Uzama said that if the Bengals win the Super Bowl, he will jump into a vat, take a bath. In Skyline Chili. I love that. I wish I could trade places with them. That sounds amazing. Uh, and for that reason alone, I am rooting for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I also want to give a shout out to T. Higgins, who was drafted alongside Joe Burrow in 2020. He actually won a college football national title the year before Joe Burrow did. He's another winner. I love him. He's awesome. Easy to root for. Made a lot of great catches during his rookie year. And this year has been a great number two alongside Jamar Chase. Now, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, 
C.J. Uzama, one of these guys is going to have to step up in the Super Bowl. My money's on C.J. Uzama. But it could be T. Higgins. It could be Tyler Boyd. One of these guys is going to have to great game because they're going to match up one-on-one between Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey. And while I think Jamar Chase is actually going to win that matchup, I still am looking for which other guy in the Bengals receiving core is going to step up and have a great game. Now, the Bengals did not have quite the amazing year that the Rams did. The Bengals went 10-7. and They won the AFC North. They started 3-1, and had a good year, but they were not at all, at any point, a Super Bowl favorite. A lot of people were like, oh, good, they made the playoffs, and that was enough. They were, like, impressed and kind of surprised. Hey, Joe Burrow made it into the playoffs. Then he won a playoff game. You're like, okay, Joey B won a playoff game. Pretty cool, but we thought it would end there, and it kept going and going and going. And I do want to take a step back and look at kind of the low point of the year for Cincinnati. Week 8 and 9. You know, the Bengals lost on the road to the Jets. Never forget that. They lost to the Jets. (laughs) And then the the next week they lost at home to Cleveland. And it was kind of, it was two bad losses in a row and a low point. But there were two big wins at the end of the regular season, week 17 and 18, that propelled the Bengals forward. They beat the Ravens at the end of the year, 41 to 21. Joe Burrow had 525 passing yards. And then week Gosh, it was it actually, I think it was week 17. I don't remember. One of the two games back to back, they beat the Ravens. Joe Burrow had 525 yards passing. And then they beat Kansas City at the end of the year, which really showed the Bengals, hey, we can hang with Cincinnati. We, and it was week 17 because the backup quarterback played week 18. So week 17, they beat Kansas City. And that was a big statement win for the Bengals, which I thought showed them later down the road, hey, we can hang with Kansas City. We can beat them. We've done it once before. So in the playoffs, they beat the Raiders. Everyone kind of went, okay, yeah, well, the Raiders were lucky to be there, and that's a good win, but it's probably going to end against Tennessee. And then the Bengals beat the Titans. And Joe Burrow was sacked nine times on the way doing it. Got sacked nine times, still found a way to win. Last second field goal, they won the game. And then in the NFC, sorry, the AFC championship game, the Bengals are down 21-3 to against Kansas City on the road in KC, it's cold, it's loud, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals found a way to win in overtime, 27-24. It's incredible, and the run they've been on is awesome, and I, I've, I've so very much enjoyed the run they've had in Cincinnati. I love Joe Burrow. I love what they're doing. I was totally wrong about the year they had, but I, I've said that over and over again. I don't need to keep saying that. It's just been so fun. Win or lose, I'm impressed with them. I actually think the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. I think that when it comes down to you need to win one football game, which quarterback do you want? I want Joe Burrow. Of all the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Joe Burrow is the guy I would want to win me one football game. And I think magic's in the air, man. I really believe in the Bengals. I think they're going to win a Super Bowl on Sunday. Got another cool story. Joe Burrow destroyed his knee last year. In case you missed it somehow, he was rehabbing in L.A. And apparently he spent a ton of time with the Rams left tackle Andrew Whitworth, which I think is very, very cool. I love to hear that. They rehab together. They watch games together. They actually both went to LSU. Uh, They even won a title at LSU years apart. Whitworth won with Nick Saban, and Joe Burrow won, obviously, in 2019 with Ed Orgeron. But now, after rehabbing together last year, this time last year, they were together in LA, watching games, hanging out, spending time together. Now, they're both playing in the Super Bowl against each other, and on top of the ties that Andrew Whitworth has to Cincinnati and LSU, which Joe Burrow has played for both, it's just cool. And I, um, I can't say enough how much 
I don't care very much who wins the Super Bowl because I'll, I'll be rooting for the Bengals. I want them to win. But if the Rams win, it's like, well, look, they're, they're good people. There's a lot of cool people to root for there, and I will not be disappointed at all. So let's do it. Let's make a prediction. Let me drink some water real quick. Then I'll make my Super Bowl prediction officially, which, you know, I've already kind of done it, but whatever. Let me ask you a question. An incredible receiving core, a great defensive line, a stud quarterback. Which team am I talking about? Could be Cincinnati. Could be Joe Burrow, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader. Could be Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Or I could be talking about Cooper Cup, Odo Beckham Jr., Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Matthew Stafford. That could describe either the Rams or the Bengals. An incredible receiving core, a great defensive line, and a stud quarterback. In my opinion, the Rams are a better team on paper. They've got Jalen Ramsey. They've got stars galore. However, the better team doesn't actually always win the Super Bowl. I want to remind you of the last time the Rams, I thought, had the better team and lost in the Super Bowl. February 3rd, 2002. Rams against Patriots. The Rams were a 14-point favorite. It was the greatest show on turf. And they lost to a young, upstart quarterback in his second year. Joe, not Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. It's, it feels like history is repeating a little bit, where the Bengals are a team that is the overwhelming favorite that everyone expects to win. And we got another young, second-year quarterback who very much reminds me of Tom Brady, the work ethic, the controlling everything he can control in Joe Burrow. And even though the Rams are loaded, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, you cannot deny all the talent on this Rams roster. I got a couple reasons why I think the Bengals are going to win this Super Bowl. Number one, you don't need to beat the Rams 10 times to win a Super Bowl. The Bengals have to find a way on Sunday to win one time, 60 minutes, four quarters, and anything can happen. We've seen over and over again in football that a couple things go your way and a couple bounces happen and suddenly you got a big lead and all the momentum. Right now, if I had to pick any quarterback in the entire NFL, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, who's retired, but he's still in my head, um, the guy, Josh Allen, the one quarterback I would want to run my football team to win one game, if I need to win just one game, I'd go with Joe Burrow. And I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a wild football game. The Rams are going to have turnovers, in my opinion. That will give the Bengals a lot of momentum. And I believe the Bengals will win the Super Bowl. Now, there's a key matchup I want people to pay attention to. It will be the Rams star corner, Jalen Ramsey, guarding the Bengals star receiver, Jamar Chase. I think that advantage actually goes to the offense, to Jamar Chase, because all he's really got to do is catch. If he catches three deep balls on Sunday, three catches for 90 yards, we're going to go, he won. He won the matchup. Like, you don't actually have to have a high success rate to win that matchup. Number two, the rules in the NFL skew towards the offense. I had a guy, a source, tell me, hey, sometimes the NFL, you just got to try to be near a receiver and hope the quarterback throws a bad ball. Because if the quarterback's accurate and throws a good ball, there's nothing you can really do because of the way the rules are written in the NFL right now. A corner has a really, really hard job. And 
guys like you know Trayvon Diggs get beat all the time and they're opportunists. The reason why Trayvon Diggs has a bunch of picks in the NFL is because when a quarterback throws an inaccurate or bad pass, he's an opportunist. He's ready to go and be there in that moment. Jalen Ramsey can do everything right and still lose because Joe Burrow is really accurate and can throw a perfect ball. On top of that, I worry Jalen Ramsey could get a pass interference call or two. A deep ball, there's some hand fighting. Jalen Ramsey gets emotional and suddenly you get a penalty that hands Cincinnati 50 yards. And you're like, well, wow. I think the if you go one-on-one Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase, it's not fair. Not because Jamar Chase is way better, but because the way the NFL rules are written, it's an almost impossible job for a guy like Jamar Chase against Joe Burrow, or for a guy like Jalen Ramsey trying to guard Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow throwing him the football. I am terrified of the Rams' defensive line. Aaron Donald and Von Miller against the Bengals' offensive line cause a big problem. The right tackle for Cincinnati, Isaiah Prince, is a massive weakness. And if I were the Rams, I would line up Von Miller on him one-on-one every single time and then force Cincinnati to have to double-team Von Miller. Then you got to double-team Von Miller and Aaron Donald, which really hurts you against the other two guys on the defensive line. It's a mess. It's not good. I don't know how exactly the Bengals are going to guard Aaron Donald and Von Miller. What I do know is that Joe Burrow won a football game when he got sacked nine times in one game against Tennessee. He's also a wizard at avoiding sacks and keeping plays alive and being slippery and kind of escaping a sack here and there. I watched Chris Jones try to sack Joe Burrow twice in one play and fail against Kansas City. Now, something to watch, I think, in my opinion, is how does Matthew Stafford handle the moment? Is he nervous early? Is he nervous late? I think Matthew Stafford's a gamer, and as the game goes on, I think he'll settle in and get more and more comfortable. I worry about him being nervous early on. It's a huge moment. Um, I I think Joe Burrow has shown a propensity to handle a big moment before. I've actually never seen Matthew Stafford really have to play in a big game. In the entire time he's in Detroit, he, yeah, he won games, but no one's watching that game. How does he handle all the lights? I saw Joe Burrow light it up two years ago in 2019 in front of a massive crowd, all the attention, an ESPN simulcast or whatever in the national title. I know Joe Burrow can handle the moment. How does Matthew Stafford handle this really big moment? Probably well, but if anybody's going to have nerves, weirdly enough, it probably will be Matthew Stafford, not Joe Burrow. And if you have a slow start on offense for, for LA, for the Rams, I think you're handing Cincinnati a lot of momentum. And in my opinion, the Rams are a better team. The Rams are a team that should win by 17 points. I don't think they're going to do that. I think the Rams are going to allow Cincinnati to hang around, and that is really, really dangerous. Do you give Joe Burrow a glimmer of hope? They're a great kicker, Evan McPherson. I, I would not at all. If I'm, if I'm the Rams, you got to step on their neck, and you got to crush them. You cannot allow Cincinnati to hang around. And remember, all the pressure's on L.A. This is the most important thing I'm going to say in this whole segment. Psychologically. L.A. traded for Matthew Stafford. He's here to win a Super Bowl. Easy to say, hard to do in the moment. To, to feel the weight of a city. The weight of, hey, my team traded a quarterback and two first-round picks to get me. Traded for Sony Michelle. Signed Odell. Signed Eric Weddle. Traded for Von Miller. Made move after move after move to try to get to this moment. We mortgaged our future. The Rams do not have draft picks in the future at all. They're all in on this moment. And you're playing in your home stadium, which 
sounds great, but I think actually adds another level of expectation. The Rams have to win this Super Bowl. You're playing at home. The pressure is all on L.A. Cincinnati has nothing to lose. They shouldn't even be here. And that, to me, I think is a massive advantage in favor of Cincinnati. That is why Cincinnati will win this Super Bowl. The Rams are going to be pressing all the pressures on them. Jill Cool can come in. No pressure, nothing to lose. He's played in big games before. Joe Burrow's played his best in big moments. And I, I just think Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, despite the fact that they're not the better team, despite the fact that no one's going to pick them, I believe the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl on Sunday. And for every reason I just said, that is why. Okay. Uh, let's shift gears to the NFL honors. We just had the NFL honors. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers quarterback, won the NFL MVP. Cooper Cup, the Rams wide receiver, won the Offensive Player of the Year. TJ Watt, Steelers edge rusher, won Defensive Player of the Year. The Offensive Rookie of the Year went to Bengals star receiver Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase, well-deserved. Jamar Chase had, oh my gosh, um, 81 catches for... 1,455 yards and 13 touchdowns. Cooper Cup, by the way, Offensive Player of the Year, 145 catches, 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns. Micah Parsons had an incredible year. Defensive Rookie of the Year, Cowboys linebacker, 13 sacks, 64 tackles, three forced fumbles. Micah Parsons did everything this year. It's pretty incredible. I thought he was probably runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year as well because he had to play coverage. He had to get out for the quarterback. He had to play the run game. He did everything. Everything you asked of him, Michael Parsons not only did well, he dominated. Now, the reason why T.J. Watt won is because T.J. Watt led the NFL in sacks. He had 22 sacks this year. Awesome. Fair enough. Win the award. Um, Mike Vrabel won the NFL Coach of the Year. Remember, they lost Derrick Henry midseason, found a way to adjust to win without him. That's a huge loss. I respect what they did. I think that's a, a good win in my opinion. Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback, won the comeback player of the year after destroying his knee last year. And then I think the biggest, most cool award, in my opinion, was the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award went to Rams left tackle Andrew Whitworth for his uh, efforts giving back to the community. Go listen to the speech Andrew Whitworth gave about meeting a young kid years ago and then meeting him again now this year. And I'm not going to ruin it. Just go listen to the speech. It's really beautiful and very, very cool. So... The, there's really no controversy here. I think every award I, I pretty much agree with. The only one I would even – I don't disagree with this award. Let's be clear. And, and it's, it's unfortunately very political. It's unfortunately uh, also if I even say anything negative, people think I'm attacking the guy or hate the guy or something. I thought Aaron Rodgers winning the NFL MVP was a bit – I don't suspect is a word. A bit – it was definitely one that it's – the, it's the most controversial award that was won on the night. Um, I thought Cooper Cup probably should have won the award. Aaron Rodgers won the award literally last year. So not that I'm trying to be the guy that's like, yeah, everyone needs a chance. But like, I would have liked to see Cooper Cup or somebody who's not a quarterback win that award. I really was hoping that it would be a non-quarterback this year who'd win the NFL MVP. Um, on top of that, Aaron did not win or didn't, Aaron didn't lead the NFL in any passing category other than QBR. Like Tom Brady threw for 1,200 yards more than Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady had more passing touchdowns, more yards, like way more. It's, it's kind of weird. I'm like, huh? Well, I, I would love to know why Aaron was decided to win the award. He had a great year. I'm not trying to take away from Aaron. But what's the rationale here? I'm fine with it. I'm not attacking it. I don't think it's an atrocious, horrible pick. 
But it's the second year in a row. He also didn't have, like, the best year for a quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. He played great, though. Like, I, I made a video even about how incredible he is and how amazing Aaron Rodgers is. Um, I wonder if some of it is – is there any politics here happening? I, I don't know. Um, I just think we need to – we need to have a separate quarterback award, like the best quarterback of the year and then everyone else. And I think having MVP at all is kind of dumb because how can you possibly compare the impact of a receiver to a quarterback or a running back or a defensive end or a left tackle? Like you, It's really not – you can't compare quarterback to anything else, so it's always going to be won by a quarterback – no one's won an MVP award that wasn't a quarterback since Adrian Peterson won it years and years ago. So I don't know. I would have liked to see Cooper Cup win. It's the second one in a row. It's number four for him. Um, I think it does really further solidify my criticism of him, actually, which remember when they didn't show up and didn't score enough points against the 49ers in the playoffs. I said, look, that's your MVP quarterback. You got to score more points. Like, I'm sorry, but you can't have an, a, a two-time Back-to-back, a four-time, really, a back-to-back MVP-level quarterback who doesn't score enough points at home against the 49ers and then blame anybody but the quarterback. Like So um, I thought, if anything, Aaron winning the MVP made me even more go, well, that playoff loss is definitely on him. You can't win the MVP and then complain about anything other than, hey, I got to score more points. Um, Now, no quarterback has ever won the MVP and retired. And no player has ever won the MVP and gone to a new team. It was kind of funny. Peyton Manning presented the award to Aaron Rodgers. And uh, kind of felt like a, a Broncos moment. The Denver Broncos were like, hey, that's our new starting quarterback. We got our old quarterback handing an award to our new starting quarterback. That was kind of fun, kind of cool. Uh, and the only other person who's won more MVPs than Aaron Rodgers is, in fact, Peyton Manning has won five NFL MVP awards. Um you know, I, I, I've been critical of Aaron, and I, I mentioned that I, I thought it was a bit of a weird pick, but I certainly think he deserves it. Aaron had an incredible year, played great football all year. Um, I, Cooper Cup, I, I thought you could have flipped Cooper Cup and Aaron. I thought Aaron could have won Offensive Player of the Year. Cooper could have won MVP, but I'm nitpicking here. That's literally the only criticism I have of the entire list in front of me. I thought every award was given out to someone who was well-deserving and um, it's not every year that I go, oh, yeah, I love every award given out. Like, this is the best, the most I've agreed with any award ceremony in a long time at the NFL Honors. And uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. Who who didn't win an award that you thought should have? Who did win an award that you thought maybe shouldn't have? Uh, write and let me know. Also, you know, best moment went to um, the kicker in, in Baltimore. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, my gosh. I think it's Justin Tuck. Is no, it's Justin Tucker, maybe. I think Justin. Let me Google it up. Why am I so stupid? One time I forgot John Elway's name too. I was like, I was like the guy who didn't go to. He almost played baseball. He went to Stanford. He won two Super Bowls. End of his career. Justin Tuck. Justin Tucker. Okay, there we go. Justin Tuck was a defensive end for the Giants, I believe. Uh, Justin Tucker is a Bengals kicker. The the Ravens kicker. Excuse me. Uh, I saw he won best moment of the year with his 66-yard game-winning field goal against the Lions to break the record for the all-time longest kick in the NFL. Well-deserving, very cool for him. Let's end the show this way with, actually, basketball. So if you, if you hate basketball, goodbye. I love you. Have a great day. Uh, I'll see you after the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia 76ers found a way to get rid of Ben Simmons. 
Uh, the Nets and the 76ers just made a trade. Philly gets James Harden. And the Brooklyn Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. And I want to take a moment here, first of all, um, to say that the Nets' big three, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, they never won a title. They came, they went, it was short-lived, and it didn't work. And I told you it wouldn't. I don't gloat very often, but when I came out and made a video saying that, hey, this three is not going to work, people are like, oh, you don't know basketball. You're an idiot. I don't know basketball that well. I acknowledge that. But even I could see that those three personalities were not going to work together for the Brooklyn Nets. It's not 2K. You can't just throw people together and expect them to work. And <laughs> it didn't work at all. I got laughed at. And here we are. I was right. And I, I don't know, I feel like I'm gloating. I'm not trying to gloat, but I am definitely like, look, I remember getting a lot of angry, mean hate when I said the Nets would never win a championship together uh, and they didn't win a championship. That big three didn't work. And the Nets needed to trade James Harden. He doesn't want to be there. It's really hard to work with people that don't want to work with you. It, it just, you can't force people to work with you. And I, I thought it was a good move. I'm interested to see what he does in Philadelphia. Um... I don't know how the Nets are really going to benefit too much. Like, Ben Simmons is a guy who cannot shoot still. Um, but I will say, well, it's good for Philly. It's not great for the Nets, but it's really good for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't need to be a shooter in Brooklyn. They have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant whenever Kyrie Irving does play. Uh, and so for as far as Ben Simmons' career, it's kind of a best-case scenario where he's going to have Seth Curry to throw the ball to, who can shoot. He's going to have Kevin Durant, Kyra Irving on certain nights. Like, I think it's actually a, a great situation for Ben Simmons to walk into. And um, we'll see. I, I have an open mind here. I would like to see. I feel better about this big three than I felt about the last one in Brooklyn. But is Ben Simmons even – does that really make you a big three? I don't know. Um, but I don't know. It, it's pretty uh, – I just want to remember and remind people that uh, I made a video a long time ago saying it wasn't going to work. I got laughed at. I got made fun of. A lot of mean comments. Um, I try not to hang on to them, but anytime you see um, a, a bold prediction like that come true, where I just got – I thought it was very obvious that the, the Brooklyn Nets were not going to work with that big three. Um, and, again, I don't I, – I acknowledge. I know football way better than I know basketball. But I do know personalities. I know how chemistry has to work. And I knew that those three were not going to work together in Brooklyn. And uh, it has come to an end. The Kevin Durant, James Harden, <laughs> Kyrie Irving era, the short-lived one in Brooklyn. And uh, it was fun. It was They were entertaining to watch, and they never won a title. All right, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Um, next week, look at me in the eyes for watching on YouTube. Next week's going to be effing awesome. I'm really excited. I got to... Quincy Carrier interview. I've got, we'll do, you know, obviously, we'll cover the Super Bowl. A lot of predictions versus reality Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, hopefully. Um, Friday, the Quincy Carrier episode will come out talking about the Browns, talking about his approach to his show. I'm excited, man. I think it's going to be an incredible offseason. I, it's hard, man, to keep up with the constant. Football season's the hardest time of year for me. It really is. It's, it's emotionally hard. I don't get a lot of sleep. I'm very excited for the offseason, actually. Uh, I'm excited to do film analysis. I'm excited to dive headfirst into a lot of great content. And uh, 
It all begins next week, starting Monday, with coverage of the Super Bowl. I love you. I appreciate you. I am so excited for this offseason. I think it's going to be, uh, hopefully, the biggest offseason we've had in a long time as a show. And uh, I love you. I appreciate you. But um bum bam we are done.